Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, experts, tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by TennisExpress.com. Thank you very much for joining me on today's show. As always, I appreciate it. And it's going to be my goal today to give you information that can help you take your game to the next level. That's what the Essential Tennis Podcast is all about. And that's what EssentialTennis.com is all about. And hopefully today's show does that for you. Before we get to today's topics, we've got a couple of really good ones to talk about. I want to remind you guys about iTunes. It's the best way, the easiest way by far to get the podcast each and every week. You can subscribe to the Essential Tennis Podcast and every single week when I put a new show out, it will automatically download it for you. So I highly recommend that you download iTunes. It's a free download from Apple. It doesn't matter matter whether or not you're using a Mac or PC. So check that out. Subscribe to the show. And then you'll be sure to not miss any episodes moving forwards. All right, let's go ahead and get down to business. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, before we get to our first topic on today's show... I want to spend just a couple minutes telling you guys about Essential Tennis Platinum. I'm sure many of you guys went and checked out the video that I had up last week at EssentialTennis.com slash Platinum, and so you have a good idea of what I'm offering there as far as tennis instruction and giving you guys personalized feedback. I want to work with you guys personally to help you improve your games. Well, I'm putting up a new video this week. And it's going to feature instruction. Um, It's going to be a video that's focused around creating more power and creating more topspin on your forehand or backhand ground stroke. And it's a video in which I'm going to be breaking down the stroke technique of a recreational tennis player, comparing it to a high-level tennis player. And I'm going to show you guys how the kinetic chain works, how you guys are supposed to use your body correctly and in the right order using different parts of your body to hit a high level shot so go check that video out it's totally free you can uh, you can watch it anytime you like this week it will come down this coming sunday the 31st midnight eastern time so you want to go check it out before then so that you can at least get that free instruction now as far as platinum is concerned basically What I'm offering here is the ability for you guys to be coached by me personally. And what the Platinum show, what the Platinum membership offers is access to a weekly hour-long video show in which I analyze and break down the tennis strokes of members. And so you guys can submit videos to me and live, I will break them down, compare your strokes to high-level players and archive it. Every single show is recorded and archived, so you can go back and see exactly what you need to work on. There's also an hour-long weekly 
audio show, just like the Essential Tennis Podcast, where I answer your questions about mental toughness or tactics or anything else that you're having trouble with, I'll be there to help you. And so as you guys make changes in your game, and that's what you need to do to get better, by the way. You can't improve your game without making changes. And as you make those adjustments, whether it be to your tactics or to your technique, you want to know that you're making the right choices as far as what to change. And you can search around the internet and try to find good free information. There is a lot of it out there. But the question is always, which piece of information do I listen to? Because you guys know there's a lot of stuff out there. And I don't want you guys to have to sift through hours and hours of stuff. And, and at the end of it, not even be sure if what you're hearing or seeing is even correct or the best thing for you. And so Essential Tennis Platinum remedies that by giving you access to me directly so that I can help you guys and cut right to the chase and tell you what you need to change that's going to help you the most. Now, of course, you guys could always go out and and take personal lessons from a pro in your area. But to be honest with you, your local pros are probably not even using the technology that I am to help give you guys the information as clearly and as well. And this especially pertains to the video instruction. There are some pros out there doing video analysis on court, and they'll show you your stroke and then compare it to another stroke. But very, very few tennis professionals are doing that. And in my experience, it's it's a the way that players can make the biggest changes in the shortest amount of time. And you guys will see that when you go to EssentialTennis.com slash Platinum this week and check out that free video that I have up. Last thing that I want to say before we get to today's questions is that everybody who signs up for Essential Tennis Platinum this week before the 31st will receive doubles domination for free. If you guys aren't familiar with doubles domination, it's a doubles tactics, like a complete overview of doubles tactics. It's a product that I released a couple months ago and I'm reworking the product. It's going to include a lot of video the next time I release it, but you'll get my first release, kind of my 1.0 product of Doubles Domination for free by signing up for Platinum. Now, Platinum comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you can try Platinum out. If you don't like it for any reason, ask for a refund. I will completely give it to you, no questions asked, and you can keep Doubles Domination. It's a $47 product. So I'm basically offering to give you guys $47 just to try Essential Tennis Platinum. So you guys have really zero risk here. In fact, you're going to come out ahead no matter what. If it turns out Platinum's just not for you, no problem. I'll give you your money back for that first month. No questions asked. Keep doubles domination and you'll leave happy either way. (laughs) But I truly believe that Platinum is an excellent product. And when you guys start working with me, you start giving me your videos to analyze. You start giving me your questions to answer that week so that you don't have to wait 8 or 12 weeks the way it is right now on the podcast. So go check it out. Remember, this offer only stands until this Sunday, the 31st at midnight Eastern time. Go check it out. Sign up. And I look forward to working with you personally on improving your tennis game. All right, let's go ahead and get to our first topic now, our first instructional topic on today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast, 
and it comes to us from Jacob in England. He wrote and said, my regular tennis partner moves exceptionally quickly around the courts, and he tends to hit a lot of slow, sliced shots on both forehand and backhand sides. I generally have a lot of success rushing the net. However, I often have to hit slow, awkward shots that are just below comfortable smashing height, but above a comfortable volleying height, maybe at about head height and just a little over that. If I try to hit an overhead, I will often end up clearing the baseline or hitting the net, but I also find it difficult to properly connect with a firm volley. What shots should I try to be hitting at this awkward height? Jacob, good question, and this is a shot that recreational players very often struggle with, and it's frustrating because it seems like it should be a gimme. You know, it seems like, wow, this should be an easy shot. It's traveling slowly. It's high. As Jacob said, not quite high enough to hit an overhead, but definitely high enough that it's not a defensive shot. He, he's saying right about head height or so. And so it's a shot that you should be able to attack on. But if you don't do the, the uh, technique correctly, or if you're not in the right spot on the court, it can turn into unforced errors very, very quickly. And that's the first thing I want to talk about is, is positioning. How aggressively you can actually hit this shot totally depends on how close you are to the net, Jacob. A head-high volley taken two steps from the net can just be crushed if done correctly. And we're going to talk about how to do it correctly. Uh, so if you're close to the net and you get that shot around head height, go, feel free to go ahead and be really aggressive with it and essentially smash it. However, a head-high volley taken from two steps behind the service line really needs to be treated with respect. You can't just do whatever you want with that shot because you're far enough away from the net that you have a much lower margin for error. You have a lot less court to work with on the other side because the net is now blocking a large, a large portion of it. When you're standing close to the net, it's easy to see the other side of the court and hit directly to it. And let's talk about that one first. So I've got two different shots we're going to talk about. Crushing that shot and the respectful high volley, as I've titled it. Uh, you want to be respectful on the ones where you're farther away. But let's talk about the ones that you have the opportunity to crush the ball on first. And I very rarely condone <laughs> this shot when it's not high enough to be an overhead, which is exactly what Jacob is talking about. So it is a volley. It's a high volley. And I very rarely am okay with students and members where I teach taking a, a big swing at that shot and being really aggressive. But when you're really close to the net and it is head high, I do want you to take care of business and I do want you to be able to put it away. So you're allowed to make an aggressive swing at the ball when you are that close. Making the shot is all about closing your racket face and having it at the correct angle. And Jacob said when he tries to hit them aggressively, he will very often hit it way long or hit it into the net so he makes both errors. Um, and missing these types of shots is definitely really common. The, the key is making contact with your racket facing towards, just directly towards your opponent's side of the court. And when you're a few feet away from the net and the ball is head high, 
you want to close your racket face so that it is facing your opponent's side. Uh, it should not be facing forwards or definitely not upwards. But on the other hand, you don't want to close it so much that it's angled straight down into the net either. And that's why making a swing is uh, typically something that I don't ever recommend. And that's because the racket face is moving around. The, the string face of the racket when you make a swing with your racket and you try to hit the ball hard at that height, the strings are facing all different directions while you make that swing. And so if you don't time that swing just right so that it's facing the correct spot on your opponent's side of the court, it could go in a very wide variety of directions, which is obviously something that we don't want. So keep in mind that making that swing is going to make it more difficult to accurately know where the ball is going. So you better be sure that you time it correctly, at least a large percentage of the time. And you better be sure that you're close enough to the net to warrant that swing. And that's probably the biggest thing that I want you to take away from this, Jacob, and everybody else listening. You're only allowed to make that swing if you're close enough to justify it. If you are uh, two or three steps inside the service line, with a head-high volley, you cannot swing at that shot, okay? You're not close enough. If Next time you guys are on a tennis court or maybe you're listening on or next to a tennis court right now, walk out onto the court, stand uh, on the service line, take two steps forwards, and just stand there for a moment, all right? And I want you to look across to the other side of the court and make a mental note of how much of the other side of the court you can see while looking over the net. Obviously, if you look through the net, you can see the entire side of the other side of the court. But if you look over the top of the net, I want you to make a, a mental note. Walk out there and do this, guys. Look at how much of the court you can see over the top of the net. And that's how much of the court you have to aim for when hitting an aggressive shot. And if you guys are of you know average height, two steps inside the service line, you can probably see from around the service line back on your opponent's side of the court. I'm um, estimating there a little bit. I'm guessing that's probably about what it is. It's probably right around the service line back. So you have half of the court to work with when hitting an aggressive shot from two steps inside the service line. Now take three more steps forwards, and you'll probably be a little bit past the center of the service box maybe even uh, within arm's length of the nets, uh, maybe a little bit farther away. And now look over the net and see how much of the other side of the court you can see. That three-step difference is going to make probably like a 10 or 12-foot difference in how much court you have to work with on your opponent's side. And that is significant. That's way more court to work with. And so when you guys are playing your doubles points, you have to be very aware of where you're standing on the court and that's going to dictate how aggressively you're able to hit your shots. Don't try to make this big swing, swinging volley unless you're close enough that you can see most of the court over the top of the net. If you can't, you're going to make a lot of mistakes either long by trying to avoid the net and overcompensating or into the net by trying to avoid hitting it long and overcompensating. So you want to be close enough that you have a large area of court to aim for so that it's a consistent shot. All right? So that's the first part of my answer 
uh, Jacob, is is uh, having to do with crushing the ball. I don't mind it as long as you're close enough. Now, let's talk about the second type of volley, and this is the one that you really have to work on more, and that is the respectful high volley. And I title it respectful because you, you have to respect the shot. Let's say you're on the service line or maybe even a step or so behind, and you get that high volley, you know, around head height. You, you have to respect the shot. Even though it's high and maybe it's slow, you can't just haul off and beat the heck out of it because you don't have a lot of court to work with on your opponent's side, at least not when hitting the ball aggressively. And this is a shot that every doubles player needs to be, needs to be competent at, is this kind of head high or shoulder high, easy volley. And it'll cut out a lot of dumb, unforced errors while, if you can do this correctly while still pressuring your opponents. You should be able to take this shot and at least hit it firmly and be able to pressure your opponents. But if you don't do it correctly, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. So the key to controlling where the ball is going to go is in controlling the racket face, which we talked about earlier. And the way that you do that, the way you physically do that while you hit a shoulder high or head high easy volley from the service line is by using your core and your shoulder to hit through the ball instead of using your hand and your forearm. Um, Accelerating your forearm and your hand quickly and aggressively is how you make big changes in the racket face. And that's what's going to make you inconsistent as you try to hit your easy high volleys. So you want to use the big parts of your body instead. They will help you keep the racket face steady and make a more consistent shot. So how do you do that? I want you guys to to do this with me. If you're listening in a car right now, obviously that's not going to work. Uh, well, it's supposed to be bumper to bumper traffic. Uh, go ahead and follow along. But if uh, you're at home or on a walk right now, or you know doing chores around the house, go, go ahead and, and do this along with me here. Um, I want you to kind of picture that you've got a net in front of you. Or maybe if you're on a tennis court, that would be ideal. Stand on the service line. And uh, if you're not on on a tennis court, picture that you're standing on the service line facing towards the other side of the courts. All right? You've got your racket. You're in a ready position. Now, I want you to turn to the side. Turn your shoulders. Uh, You don't have to turn your stance, but you can if you want. And turn sideways 90 degrees to the net so that your shoulders are now perpendicular to the net. You're at a 90 degree angle. And I want you to put your hand up, put your palm up right in front of you so that your palm is right about eye height and it's facing towards the net. So that imaginary net, which is if you're right-handed, it's now to your left. After having turned to the right 90 degrees, put your palm up in front of you so that it's right about eye height and about even with the front edge of your body, the left edge of your body, if you're right-handed. Now, starting from this turned position with your palm flat out in front of you at eye height, I want you to rotate your chest forwards to face towards the net. And as you do that, extend your palm out towards the imaginary or realistic net at the same time. Turn back again, 90 degrees, and rotate forwards again. I want you to repeat that a couple of times. So your palm remains facing the same direction, which is towards the net, as you extend your shoulder and your hand out towards the net, and as you rotate your body forwards towards the net, your palm remains steady and facing the same direction. And this is how you should be hitting your high forehand volley. 
is just like this when you're not super close to the net. If you're on the service line or within two or three steps of the service line in either direction, this is how you hit a high volley steadily and consistently and confidently. You can still use this technique to hit through the ball firmly and relatively aggressively, but it's not nearly as aggressive as using your forearm and your hand to you know whip the racket back and forth and really create a lot of racket head speed. That's going to make the racket travel faster, but when you do that, your strings are facing all different directions, as I mentioned earlier. So use the technique that I'm describing here, and hopefully you actually did that along with me so that you get a feel for it. And next time you go out and you practice on a tennis court, remember that and use that for your high volley technique, at least when you're farther away from the net. Um, using this technique, you can still hit the ball firmly, but the racket face is under control, and that's the key. If you hit the net after uh, when using that technique that I suggested, open your racket face just a little bit more. Uh, if you miss it long, then close your racket face a little bit more. Angle your strings a little bit flatter, a little bit more towards the courts if you're missing this shot long consistently. Um, and that's pretty much it. So that, that answers your question, Jacob, about those head high volleys. Practice, go out, you know, if possible, get a ball machine, have it feed you those shots over and over again, or get a friend to toss you some of those high volleys and practice that technique when you're a little bit farther away and you want to make that high volley. Before I get to the next question in today's episode of the podcast, I want to remind you guys quickly about the official sponsor of today's show, and that is TennisExpress.com, your online gear emporium. Go check them out. They've got rackets, strings, clothing, shoes, bags, whatever you guys need, tennis balls, tennis ball machines, straining machines, Whatever you guys want, they've got it. They have free shipping for orders of $75 or more. And when you check out, please use the promotional code ESSENTIAL. It'll show you that, it'll show them that you're a listener and you appreciate their support of the show. So go check them out. Uh, not EssentialTennis.com. It is TennisExpress.com and promotional code ESSENTIAL. I thank them very much for their support of the podcast. All right, one more question to get to on today's show, and it also comes to us from Jacob in England. He wrote and said that a second question is that due to net rushing, I am often backpedaling to get the shots that are going over my head. I often end up taking the ball over my head while I am still moving backwards and not particularly well balanced. Is it still advisable to try to take the ball in the air even while moving backwards, or should I do everything to get into a better everything I can to get into a better position to hit the ball after it has bounced? Jacob, good question. Let's talk about that. Let's first of all, let's talk about going back for overheads in general. You used a term that makes me wince when I hear it, and it makes me cringe, and that is backpedaling. Backpedaling means that you're moving backwards with your chest facing towards the net and your heels facing back towards the baseline. So your toes are pointing forwards towards the net. That's a terrible way to move back. And I want to describe real quickly how you should be moving back, what uh, footwork patterns that you should be using to be in the best balance and to move back in the quickest way possible. And 
the way that you should be doing this. Oh, and by the way, this is a huge recreational player mistake on overheads. Definitely the number one mistake rec players make on overheads is not moving their feet correctly. And it's slow and it's dangerous to backpedal. Seriously. Um, And to remedy that, you must get your stance sideways for balance and for quickness of movement. If you're a righty, that means that your first move when you see that the lob goes up into the air is to drop your right foot back behind your left. So if you're in a ready position and you're right-handed, you're facing forwards, you want to take your right foot, pivot it around back behind your left so that you're now in a closed stance, basically, and you are perpendicular to the net. Then from that position, you should either shuffle which is both feet pointing to the right, uh, facing towards the net. Facing towards the net is forwards. To the right, obviously, would be to the right of that. So after pivoting that right foot back and getting yourself turned to the side, the toes of both feet will be pointing to the right. Shuffling would be keeping both feet staying pointed to the right and using a shuffle step without, without crossing your feet over. That's option number one is using a shuffle step. Or you can use a crossover step. And after getting your right foot back behind your left, you can then cross over your right foot with your left and continue to take a step out with your right, cross over with your left. Take a step out with your right, cross over with your left. And so you can use a crossover step as well to move back. Crossing over is a little bit more athletic and it it will get you back a little bit faster than using a shuffle step. Um, using a shuffle sh- shuffle step is easier, and it takes a little bit less coordination and a little bit less skill. But both types of footwork are much, much better than backpedaling, much better. And I, I use a combination of both. And when you guys watch players on TV go back for an overhead, you'll very often see them use a combination. And what what I typically do is when a lob goes up in the air, I'll use several quick crossover steps to get myself moving as quickly as possible so that I'm sure I can get underneath the ball. So that'll be my first probably three or maybe four steps, depending on how, how far back the overhead is. And then I'll use a couple of shuffle steps to balance myself and kind of fine-tune my position underneath the ball as it's coming down towards me. So use a combination of those steps or just one or the other is fine as well. Usually I start players off just using using a shuffle step and if they're more athletic than average or if they pick up the shuffle step real quickly i'll show them a crossover step as well but you should be using at least one or the other if not a combination stop backpedaling now (laughs) don't do it anymore please Uh, it's slow and and believe it or not it it is it's dangerous i know that kind of sounds silly but i've seen many people fall backwards because your body is just not made to move in that direction with the heels leading. Uh, so don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> um, now, your second question having to, having to do with taking the ball out of the air. Take the ball out of the air at all costs, Jacob. In doubles, you don't want to let the ball bounce if you have the choice to take it out of the air. And there's nothing wrong with hitting an overhead while still moving backwards. All right. That doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. Now, I, I would prefer that you were in balance, of course. I, I would rather that you, you were able to move back quickly enough that you got yourself set 
and you're good to go. And you can go ahead and make your overhead swing in perfect balance and maybe even uh, transfer your body weight forwards into the shot and go right back into the net again. But that's not always reality. If your opponents hit a good lob, then you might have to move back quite a ways. And you might not even get completely underneath the ball. You might have to reach up and take it with your balance leaning backwards a little bit. And that's okay. Um, as long as you realize that you're in a, a tougher spot and you don't go for a winner, play it smart, then I'm perfectly fine with that. But when you realize that it's going to be a tough shot and you can reach it, but it's not going to be easy, just don't go for a winner off that overhead. Put it in a safe spot, give yourself plenty of margin for error, and then continue playing the point. And the reason for this is, Jacob, when you let it bounce, two bad things happen. Number one, when you let it bounce, it gives your opponents much more time to improve their position. When you let it bounce and the ball comes back up again, then it comes back down again, and then you hit your shot, you effectively double the amount of time that your opponents have to do whatever they want. They can move in whatever position they want. Once they realize that you're going to let the ball drop and bounce, they have a lot of time to either move into the net or maybe the close player will have time to, to poach and pressure you, to cro- cross over to try to cut off your next shot that you're going to take off the bounce, whatever. Bottom line is we don't want to give them that time unless it's a total emergency and you just can't reach it and you have no, no other choice. When you have the choice, I want you to take it out of the air. And reason number one is we want to take that time away from our opponents. Reason number two why I want, I want you to take it out of the air as much as possible is that when you do let it bounce, it puts you in a significantly more defensive position than taking it out of the air. And the, the, when you let it bounce and it continues to travel farther away from the net, so do you <laughs> in order to catch up with it. So it's a bad idea to let it bounce on purpose because it'll end up making you much farther away from where the action is, much farther away from the net. It puts you in a much more defensive position and the combination of that along with giving your opponents more time means that if they're smart at all they're using that time to get into the net and now you're far away from the net and the tables have completely turned and so i don't want you to do that unless it's a total emergency if you if you can tell that you know you'll be lucky to just scrape it off the tip of your frame and you're just not going to get there fine turn around get back there as fast as you can let it bounce, do the best you can with that next shot. Um, but if there's any way at all that you can get the ball on your strings and you can do it before it bounces, that's what you should be trying to do. Plus, um, when you do let it bounce, uh, chances are it's, get, it's going to get behind you and you're going to have to hit some crazy like over-the-shoulder miracle lob shot. Um, if you're super fast, maybe you can get back around it, and some of you guys are, and that's great. But it's a much more difficult shot. Um, and again, it puts you in a much weaker position. So Jacob, thank you very much for your questions. I enjoyed answering them today. Hopefully they're helpful to you and best of luck to you as you continue working on developing your doubles game. All right, that does it for episode number 141 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today. And if you're listening to this show before the 31st of October, go to EssentialTennis.com slash Platinum. 
as soon as possible and check it out. You'll get that free instructional video about creating power using the kinetic chain on your forehand or backhand, and you'll have the opportunity to sign up totally risk-free. I know that's kind of a cliche, but it's totally true here. You can ask for your money back after signing up if you're not completely satisfied with Platinum in that first month, and you can keep doubles domination, which is, again, a $47 value, and that's going to help your game a ton. If if you're a doubles player, that is going to help you a great deal win more matches because it's just a great tactical overview of the game of doubles and how to play. There's interviews with professional players. Um, there's a, an ebook, an audio book. It's just a great package. So go check that out, essentialtennis.com slash platinum. All right, that does it for this week. Until next week, take care, everybody, and good luck with your tennis.